I still think that ridiculous spat between Bernard Tomek and Leighton Hewitt is the most demeaning, horrible, negative sports story I can remember this year. It's just so disappointing to think that one of our tennis players threatened to sort of knock out the Davis Cup captain. Where have we come? There are hot cross buns in the local supermarket, oh, no, well, that is, that's What's going the on there? It's just a pity when a woman quits the Liberal Party now, it is just 50 times more political. So shocking. She's had a good summer and her back legs aren't great. <laughs> But she still makes it down to the oval. And she's best on sand. She's best on sand. If you've taped it, delete it. It's just everything that we hated during the Diana period. My cousin Mouse told me last night that he knows someone who used to take his shirts to the op shop and then come back a week later and buy them back for fifty cents because they were they dry clean everything you take to the op shop. (laughs) (laughs) Have you have you ever heard anything? I mean, is that true? Do they? We'll have to ask Anna whether they dry clean things. It's just shocking. <laughs> I know. Who is this tight ass? Oh, we don't know. Don't shoot the messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Welcome everyone to Don't Shoot the Messenger. This is episode sixty-nine. No giggling at that, everyone. And I am Corey Perkin. And what a week it's been. Brexit remains in limbo. The U.S. government shutdown is into its fifth week. Bill Shorten has hit the campaign trail in Queensland and Caro Wilson and I are trying to think of every excuse we can to stay at the beach and stay on holidays, aren't we Caro? Bill Shorten must think he's going to win because whenever you start reading about whether or not a politician inhaled when he smoked dope at university, you know, you know that they're getting the trash. What, what does Hutchie call it? <laughs> putting out the trash. They're putting out the trash. That Preparing was the most for leadership. ridiculous article when he sort of stupidly said, yes, look, I might have tried drugs at university as part of the um, ecstasy discussion. But then, of course... Oh, he made inhale. A, no, he made it quite clear he'd never taken MDMA. It had only ever been marijuana, and yes, he probably did inhale. But anyway. on a bus. Oh, could you just think of anything worse? So I was listening to Laura Tingle on Philip Adams the other night, and she's on the bus. She's come back from this beautiful holiday with her partner, Sam Neill. The first gig is, Laura, you're on the bus with the opposition leader in oh. downtown Queensland, oh. which, of course, is going through a heat wave. So there's Chloe and Bill and their ch- one of their children. And there's a few journos and a couple of advisors and Laura Tingle on the bus. And I just thought she was explaining it the other night. So you've drawn the short straw coming back from a beautiful holiday. I think there's something very, um, what's it called? What do they say about footy? It's a great equaliser. Um, everybody feels the same. It would bring true. it would bring you back to earth. Corrie, I need to apologise. Apparently, to many who listened to our first podcast of the year, because I brought up t- our tennis brats and how foul they all are, and how oh, I won't really you take. You know who? Well, I didn't. I didn't forget. I just sort of probably spoke um, on the eve of a couple of great Australian performances. Oh, love Ford. Love him. Love him. Well, in the end, he wasn't good enough. And Ash Barty, as we speak, as we go to where, is the only one still alive and she's a good Tiger supporter. We love Ash and I hope she continues. She is the first woman since Wendy Turnbull in the early 80s. Remember, you would have yeah, covered Wendy Turnbull. I do. I do remember since, Wendy Turnbull. Uh, to, to make an Aussie Open semi-final. Um, I still think that ridiculous spat between... Bernard Tomek and Leighton Hewitt is the most demeaning, horrible, negative sports story I can remember this year. I mean, it's just so disappointing to think that one of our tennis players threatened to sort of knock out 
the Davis Cup captain, where have we come? Uh, I can't even talk about. He's irrelevant, that. Bernard Tom. Uh, yeah, and, and, I shouldn't you know, even and, and as we're about to start a 2019 Davis Cup campaign, it's just, um, it's not in the spirit of the group. We do have a couple of nice little notes, um, in our apologies and housekeeping section, Caro. Shyster sent an email saying, I'm so happy your podcast is back, which of course was a message. Thank you, everyone who sent us notes saying, glad you're back, girls. And she said that um, she had been refreshing the app, the Don't Shoot the Messenger app, for a couple of weeks in January. So we could join her every time she had her early morning walk to the beach, which I think a few potties have been doing. And she says, agree with Ottolenghi's new cookbook and have been creating a few things out of simple. As always, great listening to both of you. And she said, if you're looking for a new TV series, try out on SBS On Demand a series called Counterpart, which I don't know. And on the Instagram account, account Bob underscore blog suggested Nanette is a much must watch Corey. So I mentioned that Nanette because somebody had given me a tip and as always I wrote it into my phone and I just oh, okay. um, didn't know very much about it. But Bob underscore blog, thanks for that. Now, Caro, there was a bit of discussion about my chicken cacciatore recipe last week. Our friend Paul Newton, when he called in to uh, drop off the power drill, the other day, he said he found my delivery of the chicken cacciatore recipe rather amusing. Add a bit of this, add a bit of that, put in a bit more of this. Isn't, isn't that I'm what not, summer cooking's all about? I know, but I'm no, I'm no Geraldine Dillon, clearly. But uh, and obviously, I've been on holiday for too long because he said you couldn't remember the name of a casserole dish. He kept calling it a vessel. I know I was scratching around in my head. What is it called? That big dish that has big sides. Anyway, Paul reminded me. Yes, it is called a casserole dish. Lynn's from Perth, who's one of our our fabulous listeners and always every week is corresponding. So hi, Linz. She said, good to have you back. I'm cooking the cacciatore tonight. I bought transcription yesterday. Howie and I, as well as our daughter and son, have all received SMSs from Clive Palmer. How does he do that? And yes, her GL- thank you. Her GLT, uh, funny enough, Cara, the day after you said, why haven't you received an SMS from Clive Palmer? I received one, so I'm blaming you. Somehow he's logged on to me well, through. Well, actually, you you should be apologising to me because you th- almost implied I was making. It. No, I just couldn't believe I wasn't I wasn't doubting you at all. Linz does suggest Vice is a great movie and Christian Bale extraordinary. So there is another. I'm really tip. looking. Is, and my beautiful niece Sarah Stinson, who's been down here with my beautiful great niece Francesca, says we must on HBO watch um, Succession. And we also, another one, um, I think this is an I've Netflix one. I've mentioned Succession one. before. That's the one based on Rupert Murdoch's family. Yes, yeah, she, she says it's brilliant. And the other one is The Wizard of Lies. Oh, good to know. The Wizard of Lies and Succession. Are her, yeah, she said she was concurring with good you, Corey. So, Cara, before we get on to BSF and all of that, we've got a couple of news items to discuss. And the one I wanted to get your thoughts on was Kelly O'Dwyer announcing on the weekend that she'll be retiring from federal politics. She's not going to recontest the seat of Higgins. I just before I get your take on this and why she's gone and what's happened, I just want to say that uh, my bookshop is in Kelly O'Dwyer's electorate. I have had dealings with Kelly uh, o- over the years, including the time that she brought Malcolm Turnbull to the bookshop, which was a very nice event for everyone. She's a terrific local member and she did engage with her community and she has made a significant contribution to Parliament and the various ministries that she has served. And I think what I gather, Caro, is that she is well-liked among the ranks. 
for me, she was another example of a woman who combined motherhood with career successfully. But of course, in the end, this is the thing I think that's been the straw that broke the camel's back because she did say in a media conference that one of the reasons for stepping aside is she does want a third child. And of course, she had a miscarriage not long ago. So there you go. What do you reckon? Well, I think I think that people, I think she could have, it's her choice completely, but I think she could have had a third child and remained in Parliament. I mean, there are mothers with young children Except who go to Canberra. Except that she has to do the IVF program, which is very demanding. Agree with all of that. Just putting the black hat on, given that you've worn the white hat. It's unfortunate that um, she will be remembered, and I thought she was a great local member too, seemed like a very nice woman, but she will be remembered for that appalling train wreck of an interview with Barry Cassidy last year about the Banking Royal Commission. I just thought that was, look, it was just embarrassing. There are times when people have got to be sensible enough to not toe the party line and just go out on a limb and put your hand up. And if only she'd done that, it was just embarrassing. And I remember I was coming in to film the Offsiders on the day she'd just done that interview and you could just feel the atmosphere and the cloud hanging over the room after she came out. It was a debacle. And then, of course, she had the guts after the Victorian election to go and give them a serve when they had the um, cabinet meeting in Canberra and tell them, you know, people think we're anti-women, they think we're anti-black, they think we're anti-gay, they think we're anti-Muslim. But then she stood up in Parliament that afternoon and said the Liberal Party... this have a great track record with this government. Is, and, and again, she could have been so much more, but she was betwixt and between. So I felt she really compromised her values at the end publicly, and I thought that was a real pity. I thought it was a very moving speech she made when she stepped down. I'm sure there's no hidden agenda. It is fascinating what's going to happen with this, that seat because she was in real trouble. I well, mean, she, the, she, the government she, she was in real it, trouble. She won it last time by 8%, which is not too bad, but... Jason Ball, who was the Greens candidate, uh, Labor just didn't even factor in that election at that uh, at that seat. But Jason Ball, who's with the Greens, uh, of course, came in second and was on radio this morning talking about his ambitions for the next election. He, he's not going anywhere, and I think he's really he has his eye on the prize. And it's almost like Jason Ball is loved not so much because he's a Greens candidate, but because he's Jason Ball, don't you think? He's just oh, such a terrific communicator. More impressive than a lot of those dreadful Greens who a lot of them behave so badly in the lead-up to the state election. Look, I agree with that, but I do think he was in real trouble of maintaining that seat, and I'm sure it would have all become too much. And those small things I mentioned earlier would have all been factors. It's just a pity when a woman quits the Liberal Party now, it is just 50 times more political. So shocking. And, and did, social did than sa- when a man quits. And they sa- sounded out, out Jane Hume on radio. They went straight to her, Senator Jane Hume, uh, who is considered, who was considered to be the likely candidate to take Kelly's seat. And she said she just didn't want to give up her role in the Senate. Everything that she wants to achieve, she can do it in the Senate. Sen- Senate. And I thought, well, you probably know a bit more about the polling in the election of Higgins than we do. Why wouldn't you Possibly want Possibly the poison chalice there. Even five years ago, that was the prize. Blue I mean, ribbon seat. Yep. No, it, it, look, it's going to be fascinating. And um, it's it sad she's gone. I wish her all the best. So you, what, what sort of impact in the do you end, reckon? I don't think he you know, delivered nearly enough. What impact do you reckon that this will have on the Morrison government? Because this, it, it, it's interesting when an issue, issue goes from being just an issue, like, not, you know, yet another woman is, is not on the ranks of, uh, you know, in, in the Liberal Party federally, 
But when does it go from being an issue to being a crisis issue? Well, I think it's becoming a crisis for them. The women issue is becoming a crisis. Julie Bishop has said, I'm not going anywhere and my intentions are to remain and to stand. So I'm really watching this space with the old Julie. And do you think there'll be people who might vote because they disapprove of the lack of uh, foresight, I guess, that the Liberal Party has shown in pre-selecting women, as the Labor Party seems to have done? I still think there are a lot of Liberal voters who don't really care about the lack of women represented in Parliament. But I think increasingly women Liberal voters must be becoming affected by this. And I think it is going to be a problem. And I'm sure, well, I know that behind the scenes there's a massive search campaign going out. And you just at the moment it seems like it's going to be a big ask to find a woman to take over Kelly O'Dwyer and Higgins. So I'm not sure what's going to happen there. Mm, Pre-selection will be fascinating. Speaking about replacements, Corrie, and speaking about radio... How You talk about the ABC and I'll talk about 3AW. So John Fain's, this is his last year? Yes, he announced that. He did actually uh, tell me on the quiet last year when I was in there for a, one of our conversation hours. But he is leaving the primetime morning spot of 774 in Melbourne. And I'm not sure how many potties interstate do pick up John Fain, but he's been doing this job for I think it's 23 years, Caro. So a lot of people have heard of John Fain. And, of course, last year he was quite vocal in his outrage against Michelle Guthrie when she was still CEO of of the ABC, which was rather gutsy of him to come out and just say this place is, is a train wreck. But uh, it's, well, there are times he is irritating, but he has been a stalwart. He's been a hero. It's an extraordinary. It's an extraordinary move, and I just hope that the ABC don't have a knee jerk reaction and think, "Let's try something new." There is a reason why John, like Fain, they did with breakfast, correct? <laughs> correct. What a disaster! Speaking of train I, mean, I did not but, enjoy Red Simons, but I, I never thought I would. Oh, have. just give us one announcer who's got who's who who has wisdom of years, experienced in front of the microphone. Uh, has has a fabulous network and contact book that you can ring anybody at 6am and get a great interview. Anyway, that's for another day. But the, just the thing about John Fain, the reason he's been in this, apart from his you know natural talent and his knowledge and all of those criteria, this format of 8.30 to midday, the ABC has nailed. People love it. They love the way, and I have been on the conversation, as you know, for several of these 23 years, and People love the format of they know they're getting the local hard news of the day between 8.30 and 9. Then they have some regulars, the businessman or the yep, health sport, person or whatever yep. it is. Yep. And then they get to 11 o'clock and they know John kicks back and becomes a different kind of John Fain. We have the conversation now. We have a couple of guests and we have a co-host and everything's just a bit like you and I now having a cup of tea around the table. And people love that. That's why that show works. So don't change it. Just find a new person. Probably Virginia Cirolli. You'd be great at it. You would be a fabulous natural for that fish except you like coming down to the beach no too often. no i think I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a bit flippant for it i couldn't those political interviews he does i mean people don't like him because almost he's too tough sometimes i love it he never ever lets a politician get away with anything and he's prepared to dance the dance but he will not let anything slip so i, I think he's i think he's fantastic i was disappointed he wasn't more i thought he should have said something said a proper farewell to jared waitley this is just me being um small-minded and mean-spirited when he left the ABC this time last year. He didn't like the way Jared left or something. I, I thought it was crazy. After all the years Jared's been there and been on John's show and done it for nothing, that annoyed me. But then John Fain has, at times, 
you know, stayed for a lot less money when he could have gone. So, yeah, he's an absolute hero. It'll be a, a big dent, a big blot on it the will. Melbourne landscape. And he, he has spoken to generations of politicians. He So he has spoken with the minute – I think Josh Frydenberg was even thinking of getting into federal politics. And now, of course, you know, he could possibly be the next lib- leader of the Liberal Party. He's, he has seen people through Jeff Kennett. He's seen Jeff Kennett in many different guises across 23 years. And that knowledge is just irreplaceable. I, I, I will really miss John. And I think that they're big shoes, but I'd love to see Latrioli get the gig. I think that she would be great. Or they could move Raphael Epstein into that morning program, into that morning slot because he currently does the afternoon one. And then maybe you could find um, someone for that Arvo spot. Anyway, so what, so what, so what about well, 3AW? Well, it's interesting you say Raph Epstein or Virginia Trioli because at some point um, – I think John Burns will leave the 3AW breakfast show that has been running, not always with John Burns, although he was a regular for a long time before he became a co-host. I think that show's been going for 30 years, and it's. I don't know if they've lost the ratings. And they're, in, the, same, they're the same time slot, aren't they, 8.30? Or no, no, they're breakfast. Yeah, oh, breakfast, they're that's breakfast. right. Yeah, that's no, right. Neil Mitchell's on. Neil, I'm sorry, that man. Of course. Get with it. I've been on holiday too long. <laughs> well, anyway, I think, I think Ross will stay on, hopefully forever, and I think John at some point will decide to retire. And it's fascinating because over summer and whenever they're on holidays and you feel that there are people being auditioned for the role. And for me now, it seems to come down to a few. Hamish McLaughlin's name was mentioned. I'm not sure that is Hamish's go, uh, radio. I'm, I'm in, certainly not breakfast radio. I think he's better at other things like calling. I, I think it's come down. Steve Quartermain has been on the breakfast show over summer, who was, of course, let go from the anchor role at Channel 10, ousted for Jennifer Kite. And he's a Hawthorne supporter like Ross, and they're very like-minded, and they clearly get on very well. I hope they go for a woman. And the who fact, would you, who would you Well, suggest? I'd go for Kate Stevenson. She's fabulous. She's been doing this um, food and travel show. Oh, yes, I've heard that with, with Ross. Which they, they get on very well. And they're on TV as well. They've got, I think they're on Channel 9, but they're also on from 11 to 12, a movable feast it's called every Saturday. And I've always felt that maybe Kate is being – she's also a producer of Breakfast. So she's got the brilliant background. She's got the great contacts. She comes from the other side of town to Ross. She doesn't barrack for Hawthorne like Ross. She's a woman. And I think that would be such a massive statement if in a year or two, 3AW put Kate Stevenson in with Ross Stevenson, of course not his real name, and no, they're not related. I, re- I really hope they go for Kate. There's a dearth of women at 3AW. Mm. Well, well Kate, Kate's the rising star. Don't oh, well, you worry. Well, She's let's brilliant. hope for that. The Federal Federal Liberal Party, take note, appoint a woman. Now, Caro, it, we are coming to the end of our summer holiday. It is very sad. We're oh. actually recording this today in your lovely beach home. Miss Jane is around the table. We have fruitcake. We have cups of tea. The sun's not quite shining yet, but you asked me to play Scrabble this afternoon, and I said I just want one last day down at the beach, so I'm going to forego Scrabble with a heavy heart, I say this, and it, I have felt do, the heaviness. You do martyrdom better than anyone I know. <laughs> I'm a good martyr. <laughs> Poor me. It's been so tough. I need a day at the beach. Uh, no, no, I totally agree with what you're doing, Corrie. And I, it takes me back. There is a feeling of melancholy for me. Now, my brother. How do you explain it? What, it's a condition, isn't it? It's when suddenly, you know, on the walking track, you know, on one day there were five and then there were two. 
It's less people at the coffee shop, which is great. It's the fact that everyone's dropping around beautiful apricot jam because all the apricots are fruited and they're all going back to town. Do you know what I've noticed also? And this is this is a really old-fashioned thing and it goes back to my mother's day, but you still see it when, what my mother used to say, the men go back to town. The men... <laughs> <laughs> so there have been well, a few, a the few men wives. Have, men not, have actually literally to, gone back to not town. Not to say that their female partners don't work. Maybe they've just. Maybe we're just better at negotiating deals with our bosses, or maybe people like me are self-employed. But, but it's amazing the number of women I've come across in the last week who are, and the husband goes back, or the partner goes back to town, and you know, then we can have salads for dinner and go to bed early. We and have been watch asked the crown, and we have been asked to a few ladies' drinks, haven't we? No, there's there's a, a series of signs, and it. When I was little, I remember I would always have an extra week with my grandmother at her beach house. And I remember it was always my sister's birthday and Anna from the op shop's birthday. We're always a birthday sort of at the end of summer. So it was always a bit, it was always tinged with a bit of melancholy, Sadness. even though it was happiness. And I remember my crying myself to sleep in her bunk room one year. And I, she's long gone now. And I always regretted not being able to tell her that I knew she could hear me crying. And I think she thought that I was homesick and I wanted to go home, but I was crying that summer was over and I didn't want to go home and I didn't want to go back to school. I would have been about seven or eight. And my brother, Will, who is still down here at the moment, claims that it's a Melbourne thing, that when you live in Sydney, as he has for many years, you don't get that. He said that awful feeling of going back to Melbourne at the end of summer from wherever you are on the coast doesn't happen in Sydney because Sydney is so much more coastal than Melbourne. Is well, that a thing? Well, well, if I lived in nice digs in Sydney like Will does, I probably wouldn't be sad either. The world's most beautiful town, good digs. Beautiful in a fabulous beaches. Area. We have to go back to flat old Melbourne, the Yarra River. Where's the surf beach? We love Melbourne. <laughs> we love Melbourne, but it's a, it, it, and it's great but to be back in your I house. I can understand that. I think that's really says, interesting. He, he said he doesn't feel that when he goes back to Sydney. And I, I mean, I'm not going to move to Sydney to get over that feeling and, you know, get on with it really. But... I just hate it. Well, look, I it is, it is a first world. It is a first world problem. I know we sound incredibly privileged. I know, but I think everybody who gets a week or two or three over summer, we all feel this, no matter what the circumstance nor where we are. Even if you take a holiday in the middle of the year, do I really have to go back? Other signs: people are talking about their super league teams in the newspapers, oh. and they're talking about AFLX. There are pictures of AFL players at training. There are hot cross buns in the local supermarket. Oh no, well, that is, that's beyond what's going the on there. So I just want to ask you a couple of things uh, because I was thinking about it has been a lovely summer. So let's remember summer with a happy face today. The best meal you had all summer. Now, of course, you're going to say my place a couple of weeks ago, but. Um, Let's put that one aside because that's a no-brainer. What was your favourite meal over summer or favourite dish? No, I'm sorry. There is – and it's a no-brainer and as beautiful as your chicken cacciatore was, Corrie, it was the fish and chips we ate on the beach the night we watched the Mm, dolphins. That was pretty good. With a glass of rosé. And I did it again last night. It was so nice. And I'm (laughs) – okay, from now on it's grilled fish and no more chips. But – Fish and chips from a good fish and chip shop. And forget the fl- – I love flathead when you cook it at home, but you've got to have flake and you might sneak in a potato cake, but you don't really need to. That is the best meal of the summer because you're eating it in the sand that's and you're so a bit true. wet. So that's my best meal. What about you? Oh, well, I think that was a great night too. Thinking of what might have been cooked at different people's houses, for me there's nothing better than the iceberg lettuce salad with a bit oh. of avocado and bacon. I've had a couple of those. You know, yep. everybody's become so fancy and good on us, actually, for expanding the yep. repertoire and buying Ottolenghi Simple and becoming inspired by all these vegetable dishes. But I, there's nothing better than a crisp 
good old-fashioned iceberg lettuce. (laughs) I've had a couple of those. And my favourite drink of the summer, as I said last week, would have to be the gin and tonic, rediscovered with that wonderful tonic that you put me onto. Yep. Name escapes me. The Fever Tree Light. Thank you very much. Um, no, well, mine, mine is also gin and tonic, and it's the uh, what's it called? The Four Pillars Christmas Gin the kids gave me for Christmas, which is exorbitant. And you, they only let you buy one bottle. It's so popular. Oh, that yes, you told me. And about it, that. The, every year they do it. It's it's it's, it's so mean now that you have one bottle. Well, you need, you only could afford one bottle. Trust me. And the painting they do a different painting on the front every year, and it's inspired from an old. It, it's a Christmas pudding gin, and it's slightly darker. It is absolutely beautiful. What's sadly what, all gone? Now. What's been your most successful summer outfit? Oh, I think it was the um, off the shoulder red number. I've worn at Christmas, at Anna from the Op Shops drinks, at more drinks over. It's very pretty, Carol. It's a very nice ruffles, pattern. Ruffles around the neck. You can wear it up. You can wear it off the shoulder. I know I've got still got the bra marks. I know that. And I bought some rather fetching dark orange shoes to wear with it. What about you? Well, I'd have to say my Mr. Oh, no, my Mr. Zimmy, actually. Oh, and yep. the reason I love the Mr. Zimmy, it was not expensive, you know, it was, from, it was about $180 or something. It's a, it's a really fabulous kind of poochy 60s-inspired geometric design, which is very unlike me. And you don't have to iron it. <laughs> it's just – it is yep. the perfect travel outfit. I love it. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you, because we all go through this, I know, what is the most important take-home from your summer holiday or the resolution or the thing that you want to continue – that you did at the beach and you're coming back and saying, I want this to stay with me forever. Oh, well, well, apart from our, we're going to do something every month that we haven't oh, done before, which in is... In fact, a couple of potties have corresponded oh, saying yes, they want to jump on board with that too. Yeah, that's going to be our theme this year. But I, I want to walk for an hour every day or do an hour of exercise every day because I think the highlight for me this summer has been our morning walks around the cliffs, along the beaches, Along around beautiful streets, you know, covered in tea tree and do you think it might Moona. be? Do you think it might be our dogs last summer? Mm. Well, we your dog, couple, your dog's faring a bit better than mine. Oh, I don't know. I just I, I talk mm. about nostalgia. I've had a few moments with that when I've looked at the two of them and gone. Gosh, it, I hope you guys are here next year. I mean, I'm not sure about beautiful Billy, but look, she's had a good summer, and her back legs aren't great. <laughs> But she still makes it down to the oval, and me. she's best on sand. She's best on sand. Oh, if Brendan one more time goes, I'm going to take the old dog for a walk, and Billy, you come too. Oh, you're so funny, <laughs> so funny, Brendan, the master of the joke. Hey, I just think my take home is going to be this piece. So this, uh, as I said last week, I'm trying to tune off from the phone a bit more and emails and things, and if I can take that home and have an hour or so a day where there's no social media, there's no noise, maybe even me in a book or something. Yep. But just to just not be at the beck and call of anything to do with an electronic device, that to me would be the perfect way to continue the year. So let's see how I go with that. Now, Caro, I have a crush. No, Corrie, you have a crush and I'm telling everyone that, and this is very topical for you and I because we're both planning a bit of a walk in the middle of the year on the other side of the world and it brings me to think about how you organise yourself and your career when you're going away. And this is such a big issue with our kids who all love to travel, who all, uh, one of whom is having a bit of a gap year overseas. What do you do when you need to replace someone but not full-time, just Cry. temporarily? Or, as has happened with your beautiful daughter Francesca, she's had two babies, as my niece Sarah's had one, you take time off work 
but you need someone to fill in and you can't offer people full-time jobs, the Interchange Bench is where you go. Interchangebench.com.au for talent so good you wish you could keep them. This is where you go. Off the Interchange Bench, you come on, come and... Help me clean up my beach house and get the sand out of my house. That it's would be where nice. it's where you come and help me put the double where doona find... cover on. How do you put a double doona cover on? Is there an interchange bench person who could help me do that? Just... I've stripped so many bloody beds this holiday and done so much. A lot of talk washing. about bed bed linen. But I always get stuck inside the doona. You know how they say you've got to get in the doona cover and then put hold on to the top of the doona and. Corey, it's the easiest thing in the oh, world. You grab one corner, like you put it down. No, I, I can't do it. I did buy myself a little naughty new linen doona cover the other day online, which was on sale. You know, don't buy online. You kill retailers. No, like I know, me. but I look. I was. I'm down at the beach. Anyway, it's fabulous, and it went on in a. I think gift. we've gone a bit off topic. Interchange bench. <laughs> anyway, but that. it's crush of the week thanks to the interchange bench. Thanks who, are you, interchange who have you got a crush on? Kamala Harris. So Kamala Harris is a former district attorney of San Francisco. Cara, you would have seen her. She's a very elegant, passionate, wise. Uh, Law, former lawyer or a lawyer, and she is a senator for California, and she has decided to put her hand up to run for the presidency in 2020 as a Democrat candidate. She joins uh, what is turning out to be an incredibly stellar group of people who are all putting their hands up, including Elizabeth Warren. But this woman rocks. She is not as old as some of the other people who have said they'd like to stand, such as Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. I think she's in her 50s. She's had a, a stellar career as a lawyer and a public uh, in, in public judiciary. And her theme is going to be for the people. She's the daughter of migrants from India and Jamaica. And she spoke at the Women's March. If anybody doesn't know Kamala, may I suggest that you write in Kamala, K-A-M-A-L-A, Harris and Women's March 2019 and listen to her speech. It's a ripper. She talks about, yes, it's very good that this nation should prioritise women's issues, but let me tell you, the economy is a women's issue. A good paying job is a women's issue. Healthcare is a women's issue. National security is a woman's issue. And I love that because I sometimes I get a bit frustrated how women's issues are ghettoised. Yep. And, mm. you know, people think on oh, knitting and, and mothers and breastfeeding Child and that's, yeah, yep. all that sort of stuff. So I'm really, I'm really loving her and watch this space with her. So she is my crush of the week. BSF, Corrie, Book, Screen and Food. I know you're going to talk about your favourite book awards. You're most pre- you reckon they're the most prestigious. I just want to say I'm finally on to the third of my Neapolitan quartet, Those Who Leave and we Those Who Stay. We will all be so pleased when you finish oh, this Neapolitan this, Corrie, you are missing You're banging out. on as bad as, as Elena Ferranti writing about it. Talk about women's issues. You were a bookseller and you haven't read them. No, they people, are beautiful. I, 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 read, I told you I read half of the first one and I didn't like it at all. It and, gets better and, and better. People like it or don't like it. It's it gets better and better is all I'm saying. Okay. Anyway, Corrie, the Indie Book Awards Yes, yeah, so the Indie book, awards, Indie book Awards, Caro, is in my view the most important, although you could, like the Miles Franklin, of course, is important for one as one award. But this is a, an industry-based award for Australian books. And it's we are we all vote as independent booksellers of Australia, and we base our voting on what our customers feed back to us, our sales, and what we think are really sort of strong literary gems. The reason I'm bringing this up, Carol, is the short list was announced last week, and the final the the winners will be announced at a conference in March. But for those who are looking for good book club books, 
you could do well to look at the list of books here because I think you'll find a few fabulous candidates and you'll know some of these, Caro. So the fiction shortlist for the Indie Book Awards is The Lost Man by Jane Harper, Shell by Christina Olsen. Which Brendan's reading, the first one, Lost yeah, Man. Shell yep. by Christina Olsen, which I don't think will get over the line. However, it's had um, you know some reasonable feedback. The Shepherd's Hut by Tim Winton, which was my favourite book of last year. Bridge of Clay by Marcus Suzak, which is my which second favourite. I yep. loved it. Now, the, So all of those would be very, very good book club books. We'll put this on our show notes on Facebook and other various odds and bods wherever we appear. Non-fiction shortlist, The Land Before Avocado by Richard Glover, not such a good book club book, but oh, a my, really fun my read. adored that Oh, book. fun read, but I don't think it's a book club book. The Arsonist by Chloe Hooper. We're doing for our book club. We are doing Coming for up. our book club. Yep. Sold heaps of it leading up to Christmas. Eggshell Skull by Brie Lee and Any Ordinary Day by Lee Sales, which I think is a masterwork, and that is also a good book club book. And then uh, there's heaps of other categories, Cara Kids and all that, but just the one I will mention as well, Debut Fiction Shortlist, Guess What's on Top, Boy Swallows Universe Oh, well. by Trent Dalton. So you and Miss Jane can just do high fives there. I think certain people, certain podcasters should swallow their pride. Oh, <laughs> I will get of. around to reading it. What, what we're going to do... Can I just finish what is also okay, up there with sorry, Boy Swallows sorry. Universe? Scrublands by Chris Hammer, which is a ripper of uh, a thriller, and Chris Hammer is an Australian journalist. He has really nailed this genre. Watch out for him. This book is great. The Tattooist of Auschwitz by Melbourne writer Helen Heather Morris, which has just gone up the charts at Amazon. Uh, she has sold the rights, I think, as a film, not Netflix, I think as a film. So The Tattooist of Auschwitz... Fabulous book club book. And the other one is The Nowhere Child by Christian White. So those are the Indie Book Awards. You can jump onto their website. Just type in Indie Book Awards shortlist 2019 and all the list will come up. That's an impressive list, Corrie. It is impressive. And now on to screen, Caro. I just want to make one comment. Boy Swallows Universe, there's a bit in the book where he goes for a job at the Courier Mail and the editor says, if you could sum yourself up or your application up in three words, what would it be? So the title... Well, it's got a lot of implications and a lot of symbols. Is this a spoiler alert? No, I'm just saying to you, think for next week. If you could sum up what we're doing, don't shoot that messenger, sadly, as four words. <laughs> try, and, try and think about you or your summer or your year this year in three words. Oh, I always have one word per year, but that's okay. I'll think of three. No, it's a th- I always have a guiding word, as you know. Yes, but this is a sentence. Three, three words. Wo- well, three words is not a sentence. Boy Swallows Universe is a sentence, okay. Corey. Okay, it has right. a noun, it has okay. A verb. that's my homework. All right, Potties, you, we want your three words too. Okay, time for film. Bloody silly exercise. Okay. Screen, screen. On to screen. Um, no, I said last week that I'd give you a film from this wonderful David Stratton, 101 Marvellous Movies You May Have Missed. The best thing, one of the best things about this book is that it, tells you at the back where you can find these movies. Some of them are really obscure and you've got to go to old film libraries and archives. Some of them are really easy. You can find them on Netflix, not many. So I watched one on Netflix the other day and the point of this book is they're movies all made since 1980 that didn't do well but deserve a look. This Have you ever heard of a film called the Myra Witz Stories? No, it was made Maya, M-E-Y-E-R, O-W-I-T-Z. right. It was made in 2017. It stars in a brilliant performance Dustin Hoffman as an egomaniacal 
but slightly insecure and in the end failed sculptor who's on to his third marriage. His wife is Emma Thompson, who's a drunk. His previous one of his previous wives is Candace Bergen. Oh, and his gosh, children, one of whom is Ben Stiller. Um, who else is in it? Adam Driver, Judd Hirsch, Rebecca Miller. You know, who's the daughter of Arthur Miller? It is the most unbelievable cast. And at the beginning, it, it's um, made by a guy called Noah Baumbach, who made the Squid and the Whale, Greenberg. He made some great films, and we don't. No one really knows. Well, Why did it die? Well, according to David, it's um, an example of Netflix Flix original productions where their policy is that they're going to screen their own productions only on Netflix. So his view is that often it means things are going to die and go away if you don't see it on Netflix. It's a series of vignettes, but it's got a story sort of coming all the way through it. It's a family saga, really. It is absolutely wonderful. Brendan said at the beginning, oh, this is a bit boring, but then we both got completely into it. So the Meyerowitz stories. But, you know, there's a film, um, Apartment Zero, made in 1988 with Colin Firth. It's this menacing sort of bad guy. There are so many films in this book, so that's so, my film. So this little paperback, 101 Marvelous Movies You May Have Missed by David Stratton, has him on the cover. Oh, I'm missing, in typical, missing in typical pose. Yeah, but missing Margaret. And typical <laughs> photo at the back, an empty cinema. Yep, go missing on. Missing Margaret. But it's an affordable little paperback. So how many movies does he – well, he's 101. <laughs> That's in the title. That'd be it, wouldn't it? <laughs> really? There you go. She has been on, on holiday holidays. Too long. I mean, there's other okay, ones like I just um, want In the I- Land of Bread and Milk and Honey or whatever, which was that um, – what's her name? You know, who was married to um, – what's his name? <laughs> You've been on holiday too long. Oh, that one. Oh, yeah, I know. What? Oh, you know. Land of milk and honey. Um, in the land, was it in the lame land of bread? Married to Brad Pitt. You know, the Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie. Thank you, Miss James. Um, it didn't, it, it got terrible reviews, but he said, look, unfairly, give it a go. So anyway. I love David. Okay, yep. so just, just before you leave screen, I just want to say that um, Gillian Anderson has been picked to play Margaret Thatcher in the third series of The Crown. Actually, sorry, it'll be the fourth. They're making the third at the moment, but Margaret Thatcher appears in the fourth. Wow. Isn't that great That's casting? That's a great casting. That is a good casting. I, bet you, I knew you didn't know that. I heard it overnight, so I thought I must I don't know that, that and I um, love I her. I love and knowing I, something about films that you don't know. And I can imagine her doing the voice too. Now, food, do you have a recipe? Because I do. Because I just can't possibly talk about doing an iceberg lettuce recipe with a straight face, so... Well, it's time to start thinking healthy, Corrie. And to do so, I source again our dear friend and, well, we're fans of her, Annabelle Annabelle Crabb and her new book, Special Guest. This recipe... I've made I made it over the weekend. It is absolutely beautiful, and you it's have really a whole plate of fruit cake and lemon sliced in front of you. And you're saying that we have to be healthy. That's Start because, thinking that's because I'm a good hostess for my special guests. You would miss Jane. Hot smoked salmon with pea green salad. Now. The start of this recipe takes you through the whole thing about how to smoke, hot smoke your salmon, which clearly I haven't done because but I you can't. You can buy little smoked salmons in packets, in, can't in the you? supermarket, yeah. but not smoked, no, hot the, smoked. Yeah, the hot smoked. Yep, and which don't is, be. So Annabelle's it's like a not salmon a salmon fillet, but it's in. It's, it's in a cryovac. Yeah, you buy them at the, oh, you know, your local IGA or Coles. They or are delicious potties and very good they for are. dieting. Now, I've, I've, Miss Jane has got the recipe and I've completely ripped it off out of her cookbook, but the pea green salad Not is... Not Miss Jane's recipe, Annabelle's recipe. No, but I've, Miss Jane will put it up on the show notes, sorry. So the green comes from the full zucchini, the asparagus spears, take off the woody ends, green beans topped and tailed, a head of broccoli, sugar snap peas, frozen peas and pea shoots. So it's all this beautiful green... 
and then you make this beautiful green dressing. Um, Clem makes a similar one, which he calls green goddess dressing. And it's, um, you basically zhuzh up sour cream, thawed frozen peas, Greek yogurt, good quality mayonnaise, good quality horseradish cream. I'm sorry, where's the diet element in all of that? There's not, you know, there's not much of hell. this. There's not much of the dressing. It's only a little bit. Sour cream, Lemon rind, yogurt. Dill, spring onions, lemon, and a dash of milk to thin if necessary. This is the most beautiful recipe, Corey. Look at the picture. Oh, that's very pretty. See, there's not much dressing, just little bits little of drizzle. it. Little drizzle. Hot smoked salmon with pea green salad. I did do, we spoke about her glass potatoes, which you basically put in a cup of olive oil and just cook the Christ out of them in the oven after you've boiled them and smashed them. They are so beautiful. But anyway, that's my recipe of the week. And the process, what's it called? The method will be on the show notes. <laughs> yes, and thank you, Annabelle Crabb, yet again for another inspiring recipe. Caro, what are you grumpy about today? Because I'm still not grumpy about anything. All is right in my world. I wasn't happy to see those hot cross buns. I wasn't happy with the several people this morning on the beach who hadn't picked up after their dog. But what really made me super grumpy was when I went to my favourite bakery to buy our morning tea. And you know this cake, the Not coconut the scrolls. No, the fig and coconut cake. Oh yes. I went in and I said, "No, because they have the they sell them small or big." I said, "Now the fig and coconut cake." Well, she looked at me sadly and said, "We've stopped making them." What forever? We don't make the fig and coconut cake because anymore. Because figs are so expensive at the moment. No, because we're down a baker. That's oh. what she said. We're down a baker. Apparently, Where are all the bakers? I'm sounding like a grumpy old woman now, but honestly, this lovely girl said people just don't really want to get up early, and we had to. Someone had to get up oh, early and make this beautiful goodness. cake. So that's why you're eating lemon slice and chocolate slice and fruit cake and What's chopped the up world fruit. Coming to, I'm so sad. That was my favourite cake. It was okay, have you I got always... a serious, a more serious grumpy than that? No. <laughs> Okay, Donald Trump or, okay. Corey, no, fair enough. No, that's, no, no take that, that on board. That, that's, that's right. That's your domain that you can do Donald Trump. I'm grumpy about okay, the lack of fig and coconut cake. Six quick cake. questions. The Gillette ad, the best men, man can, the best men can be. Fascinating new campaign. Do you love it or hate it? I love it. I know that social media over the weekend after its release went absolutely nutsy with people saying, oh, they're crashing the Me Too, hashtag Me Too, and what do men know and what do people who make razor blades know about all of this important stuff like bullying and like sexual assault and so on. But I think if if Gillette, if, if somebody's going to do it, why not Gillette, which is a brand that is so aligned with men. Gillette's been going for something like 117 years, so let them take the, take the initiative on this one. They've made a short film, Caro, but there are, shorter ads that are available but if you do have a couple of minutes get onto facebook or youtube and have a look at the because it is a really complete story four or five different scenario happening with varying bullying and sexual harassment and so on and men watching and not acting and then of course in the last part of the ad of course some man who has the courage steps forward to intervene um, or take a stand really really good uh, ad really worth it and um, calls on men to treat women with respect and step in when somebody is not being a positive role model so good on them and i love it that they they focus on young boys and what they're going to grow up to be after seeing that brilliant um brilliant film india's daughter about the um, young medical student who was gang raped and murdered on the bus back in 2015 the brilliant filmmaker leslie udwin has now started this group this worldwide campaign called think equal where her view is if you get boys from the age of three to six and teach them 
thinking equal about women, about people of different colour, different religion, that's when you're going to force change. And I think that's absolutely right. I agree. I think it's a great ad. I it, don't is, know what... it is really good. Have a, have a look at the extended Even if it mixed is commercial. version. Now, I would like your thoughts, please, on the former Australian cricket players, the Cheaters, who are preparing their possible return to the test side. What are your thoughts about that? Well, Steve Smith will definitely be back, and um, so will Bancroft, and probably so will Warner. Although, you know, look... It's a Has real. Has he been injured? It's a real. At, at some point, they'll be back because obviously our cricket team needs them. But it's a real pity that they decided, in their various ways, to be on ads, give interviews where they pointed the finger, which is what Steve Smith did. I thought that was really unnecessary, mm. blaming the establishment and the pressure that was put on him. When, yes, it probably was unnecessary, but most of those guys are gone now as well they've fallen on their sword their reputations have been sullied perhaps not as much as the players but put your hand up guys and it was a real pity that they all started to do these public things at the time that the Australian cricket team was still trying to beat India which didn't happen Dave Warner for some reason won't speak and won't give an interview and has never really put his hand up for what he really did that is going to be really interesting when he speaks but yeah I'm just I'm not sure how, You're a bit lacklustre about that. I, I, yeah, I'm, I was really disappointed in Steve Smith because obviously he was a much bigger figure of sympathy. He was weak and he was a really poor choice as captain. He'll never captain again. Corrie, should Prince Philip... <laughs> is this going to get a crack on the crown in a later episode? Um, God, he'll he be, be dead by the time they film this episode. This has been... You know, the, well, like, I'll ask the question, should he be driving a car at 97? Caro, you are talking to someone whose grandfather was in his late 80s and still driving his Volkswagen and refused to have a re- go for his relicence when he was told he had to and had a little prang and we had to have a kind of an intervention, mm. Grandpa, no more. It, it's a very difficult subject but... Honestly, 97, and this was no, this was not just a little scratch on the car. This was a significant accident. And Emma Fairweather, who was the victim who broke her wrist in the car crash involving the Duke of Edinburgh, said on telly that she felt it was highly insensitive and inconsiderate that the Duke, a couple of days later, was spotted driving again with no seatbelt. Seat <laughs> I, I mean, what was he? And she says quite rightly to British Duke. telly, she says that, yes, Go, Emma. Well, she wants she wants to take legal action against she him, doesn't does she? She does want to. She absolutely does. Apparently, the Queen's lady in waiting rang her and said terribly sorry about what happened. Not good enough, Queen. I remember. Not good enough. I remember when I was on talkback radio back the on car. the 90s. We had an elderly Scottish or some Northern England English lady ring up and talk about what a dreadful character he was in his youth and how he used to drive through their local village and you know chasing after women and frightening the chickens. <laughs> <laughs> he frightened the chickens in the local village because he remember. I mean, which sort and of he comes... wasn't ninety seven. Then now he's frightening the children. Yeah, no, and the people of Britain. Bad get off yellow the yellow and card. Can I, just say, of can I just say yellow card too to that dross that I, I was doing the ironing last night and I oh I watched this shocking thing on I think it was Channel Ten, the princesses you know princesses at war Meghan and Kate or Kate and Meghan princesses at war or something. Oh yes. Oh mm. don't 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 if you've taped it. Delete it. It's just it's just everything that we hated during the Diana period about how the press will the did British they tabloids a, did they have will a spat whip it up. Balmoral last summer, oh, last winter. But all of these spats that they've allegedly had, there's no, there's no, God, there's no substance. There's just rule watchers talking about like that lazy Liza, Liza 
Campbell, is it? And then Eve, somebody rather, who sounded like she'd had five gins before she went on air. And then, of course, who else <laughs> popped up but Paul Burrell or Paul Birrell, you know? <laughs> oh, he's a, what a disgrace he is. So, you get, if, you go, if you want to read a really good royal book, speaking of that, Princes at War. Yes, which that you is gave a great me, book by Deborah Cadbury. Yeah, about, yeah. about um, the Duke of Windsor yes. and the future King of England in the lead up to World War II and during World War II. What a brilliant book that is. Yes, and and it's a great story about brothers falling out over um, (laughs) over significant issues. Caro, why why is Anna Wintour in Australia and – do we care? I mean, I love Anna Winter. I think she's one of the, we the best glossy magazine editors ever. But I, I don't mean to be mean about Serena here? Williams's outfits, but I'd rather look at what um, Anna's wearing at the tennis. Why is she and, here? Well, I think she's great friends with the um, Federers, isn't she? I don't know. She's you been tell to me. A, she's been to a couple of local functions. She's doing a couple of local promotions. There's been a couple of private but she situations. she must be out here for something. Yeah, she's doing a couple of gigs, a couple of speaking gigs, and she's gone to the tennis and hanging out with Roger Federer's missus. She is a very stylish woman. Mum was almost screaming. Julia Mrs Federer or Anna? No, Anna. Anna is, she was yeah. squealing. Look, look, and she's yelling at some other coach, get out of her way. I can't see what Anna's wearing. Anyway, no, that's why she's here. And um, I'm just glad she's here, Corrie. Now, what's the best hostess gift you've received over the Christmas period, summer period? Uh, well, apart from your Christmas nuts, which we devoured in the first day, yeah, um, it was funny. Them. I was walking this morning and I was listening to Jane Garvey, unfortunately, with Fan Jane yet again, just reminding everybody my favourite podcast. And um, and Jane was saying that she was given some gift or it appeared at Christmas time a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle, and it's called a mindfulness jigsaw puzzle, oh, which just sake. seems to be such a a contradiction because <laughs> when I'm doing a jigsaw, I'm not in a mindful state. Where are the bloody green bits? They're not fitting in, you know, or a toddler will come in and wipe it off the table. I think they're highly an- anxious moments when the you do a jigsaw puzzle. The big question is for how long do you leave the jigsaw puzzle on the table? Oh, uh, well, that's absolutely right. used to be a big right. issue with my Clementine. Um, but I, my favourite hostess gift, I would probably have to say my friend Dave who works at the Vic Market, he um, knows all of the all of, all of the producers there and I sent out an SOS off. You're coming down, coming down for dinner. I've run out of walnuts. There's not a walnut in this area to be seen post-Christmas. And he came down with this massive bag of fresh walnuts, didn't have a nutcracker, sent Miss Coco back to some sale in town. She came back with an El Cheapo fabulous nutcracker. So we've just been sitting there over Scrabble just going crack Eat, oh. you know, so rather delicious. So I yes. thought that was a very enlightened, a big bag of fresh walnuts. And much healthier great. than Christmas cake too. Much healthier than Christmas cake. Uh, I have lots of GLTs, but I might hold on to them. So what's your GLT? Well, my GLT, and this is, again, I'm referencing Anna, which I'm not meaning to, only because she Anna works, Winter? No, Anna Barry, who works at the op shop. <laughs> now Another stylish woman of Melbourne. Now, at the, now is the Sorry, time. I can't keep up with now you Now is morning. the time to go to the op shop because everybody is heading back to work and discarding all those unwanted Christmas presents, the summer dresses and outfits they're sick of. They're, forget spring cleaning. I reckon this is when women particularly do a lot of spring and cleaning. And regrouping for the start of the Summer year cleaning. I mean, we picked up the most beautiful map of the bay that a lovely man was um, – Brendan was taking some chairs to the op shop or something. I can't remember. Do you, go, do you drop at Anna's op shop? 
No, just down at the local one at the beach. But yes, I do. But when I'm, I'm not going to drive all the way to Melbourne as much as I love Anna. To anyway, this man was bringing in this beautifully framed map of the bay. He said, "Look, we've got nowhere to put it. I gave it to my wife two years ago." Brendan just he said to Brendan, "Would you like it?" Brendan said, "I'd love it." Oh, that's nice. It's now up on our wall. Oh, I mean, that's something nice. that might have cost a few hundred dollars. But my sister went to the local seaside op shop when she was down here and found um, a lovely and rather well known local woman was basically throwing out 10 years' worth of summer wardrobe. She picked up some of the most beautiful designer outfits and wore them basically for the rest of February, March. Now is the time to go to your local second-hand mm. shop. This well, is when um, everything's coming well, in. Well, note to Anna from the op shop, I have a box that I started when I moved house. Remember I moved house so cleverly a couple of weeks before Christmas? Yep. That was so I have a <laughs> such a good Not career one of your best moves. So, and there's a lot of stuff there, including a pair of Midas high heels, because I can't wear high heels anymore. You work in a bookshop. In How high? Ruin. How high? Well, really quite high. And I think I've only worn them a couple of times. They're virtually brand new. So I will be dumping this at Anna's op shop probably in the next 10 days so people can scout around and have a look at my smalls and my goodies and whatever else I throw in. Wow. You don't put underwear. You don't touch. No, I don't. I just wanted to see a reaction. Of course I don't put underwear there. My, Although my, I must say when my ma- darling mother died, oh, my goodness. Oh, what a, how do I say this in a way that is respectful? So she was given so many things over the years by us, you know, Mother's Day. But she never – it's a bit like Jewel with your Christmas presents. You've told me about your own mother. So after she died and I'm going through everything, there are drawers full of all these beautiful bits and pieces just still in the tissue paper. Uh, this really lovely, gorgeous dressing gown that I gave her that cost, you know, like $100 or something, never been worn, you know, still in its package. I think she was keeping it for best. You know how people keep things oh, for did you take best? It, did you take it back? Well, I kept the, I kept the, uh, no, I didn't take it back to the shop. I no, kept, take I it kept back it, for yourself. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I, I still have the dressing gown. But, but in and amongst it was, were half a dozen brand new bras from Maya. Now, look, admittedly, old lady bras, and they're not my sauce. <laughs> You didn't take the bra. <laughs> but I took them down to the op shop. Oh, and that's, I said that's to the all ladies, right. If they're Look, unworn. These are, these are in, still in the Maya bag. They're still in the tissue paper. I can swear to you they've never been worn. They were so grateful. I didn't know they took undies. So you can take your smalls down there, but preferably not ones that you've been wearing. My now, cousin Mouse told me last night that he knows someone who used to take his shirts to the op shop. And then come back a week later and buy them back for fifty cents because they were dry, they dry clean everything you take to the option. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you ever heard anything? I mean, I, is that true? Do they? We'll have to ask Anna whether they dry clean things. Oh, that's just shocking. <laughs> I know. Who is this tight well, ass? Well, we don't know. I mean, history doesn't relate, and I'm probably probably glad I don't know because I'm probably completely offended. Oh, someone. I hope there's no one we know. That's oh, what a note to end on, potties. Don't take your shirts and dresses down there, hoping that they'll get the free do up. Caro, it's been lovely having a chat. We're back in town next week. Ooh. We are. We're back in town next week, which will be great fun. I'm looking forward to seeing you then, Corrie. And remember, I want a three-word description of yourself oh, for next of week. myself. Okay. Thanks, Miss Jane, for coming down to the beach again. We love your feedback, so please keep in touch with us. You can contact us via email or you can join us on Instagram and send us a little message at the Don't Shoot Pod. And also that's the same for the Twitter handle. And you can also contact us on Facebook. Just type in Don't Shoot the Messenger and a little icon of Carol and I will come up and you can leave us a lovely message. And thanks again to our wonderful sponsor, the Interchange Bench, for talent so good you wish you could keep it. 
And I wish I could keep you, Caro. In fact, I think I will. I think you can come back next week. Would you like to do that? I'll see you next week, Corrie. Don't shoot the messenger. (laughs) 